0: This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy. Episode 16, The Maltese Falcon by John Huston and Dashiell Hammett, 1941. This film noir is set in San Francisco in a pre-World War II city that was unknowingly about to undergo a transformation during the war years. The term film noir or black film was first coined by French film critic Nino Frank in 1946. More meaningfully, I would describe it as a dark film because the themes that it deals with tend to be dark themes. So film noir, roughly translated from the French, means a dark film. It is influenced by French and German expressionism, uh, in film, which was popular during the 1920s and 1930s, and most importantly influenced by the American hard boiled crime fiction genre, which was published in 1930s pulp crime fiction magazines that were very popular at the time, particularly during the Depression years. Those magazines have long disappeared. Um, the crime pulp magazine was a staple of uh, young men in the 18 to 30 category. And the, there was a profusion of such magazines that uh, you could buy at the newsstand and were, as I said, very popular at the time. They have long since disappeared. There may be one or two of them still in circulation. Of course, old copies of the original magazines like The Black Mask go for a very substantial sum These days, the central figure in the film is a private investigator by the name of Sam Spade. Uh, Typical of the film noir, the central figure is usually a private investigator or a plainclothes policeman. And that was certainly the case here with Humphrey Bogart playing the lead role of Sam Spade. And in fact, Sam Spade was Uh, very much a kind of a profile of Dashiell Hammett, or as Dashiell Hammett himself actually said, Sam Spade summed up many of the characteristics that most private eyes of the 1930s and 40s aspired to. So you can take those paraphrased words from Dashiell Hammett and mull over that. The Maltese Falcon, was a serialized novel which debuted in the September 1929 edition of the Black Mask Detective magazine. And again, the novelist, Dashiell Hammett, debuted his novel in the Black Mask magazine. It was fairly typical of the time for a novelist to use The crime fiction magazine as a debut vehicle for their upcoming novels often they would test out a theme they would test out a character in the crime magazine to see if it had commercial traction and depending on the positive reaction of the audience the author then would go on to flesh out the outline of the serialized story into a full-blown novel that was That, that is what uh, Dashiell Hammett did, and was encouraged to do so by his publishers. The story of the Maltese Falcon is told entirely in the third person. There is no personal point of view in the in the film. The main characters are Sam Spade, and he was a departure from previous detectives that uh, Hammett had profiled. In this particular case, Sam Spade had a a very cold detachment, keen eye for detail, um, who was determined to achieve his own form of justice. Um, There was nothing sentimental or idealistic whatsoever about Sam Spade. And that character was very aptly played by Humphrey Bogart because again, Humphrey Bogart is never portrayed as a sentimental, starry eyed idealist, and he certainly was not, had none of those characteristics playing this role of Sam Spade. A brief review of the plot Sam Spade is a San Francisco private eye in partnership with Miles Archer. They run a small private investigation agency in San Francisco, located in the Flood Building, which is still there to this day, on Market Street and Powell Street. The film opens with Sam Spade and Miles Archer in the office with the office's girl Friday, Effie uh, Perrine, who effectively runs the office and uh, choreographs many of the cases that come to the office. A mysterious, very wealthy, well-to-do potential client enters the office by the name of Miss Wonderly, very aptly played by a a Mary Astor, who was a a major film star of the 1930s. Miss Wonderly enters the office and she wants the Spade Agency to follow a Floyd Thursby, saying that Floyd Thursby is a 'er ne'er-do-well who has run off with her sister and she wants the agency to track him down. Both Sam and uh, Miles Archer at that point are taken in by the uh, well-to-do affluence of Miss Wonderly. They agree to take on the case And after a brief description of what Floyd Thursby looks like, where he's staying, uh, Miles Archer goes out that very evening to follow Floyd Thursby. Fast forward to later in the evening, and Miles Archer, the private eye, is actually found dead in the street. A few hours later, the San Francisco police report that... Floyd Thursby has been found dead. So at the very outset of the film, we have Sam Spade's partner, Miles Archer, dead, supposedly at the hand of Floyd Thursby, who was being followed by Miles Archer, and then by, who was being followed by Miles Archer, and then Floyd Thursby himself dead a few hours later. Sam, at this point, is considered to be the prime suspect in at least one, if not both of these murders. Miss Wonderly is revealed early on in the film to be a manipulative manipulative and selfish adventuress, whose real name and real identity is Bridget O'Shaughnessy. And it turns out that Bridget O'Shaughnessy and Floyd Thursby were lovers and that O'Shaughnessy was on the trail of a priceless jewel-encrusted work of art, a statuette of a falcon with a fable medieval history. Several other mysterious characters are on the hunt for this priceless work of art, and they include a mysterious, somewhat effeminate man from the Middle East by the name of Joel Cairo, very aptly played by Peter Laurie. Mr. Houston, who wrote the screenplay, and Dashiell Hammett were none too subtle uh, in emphasizing the Middle Eastern links of Joel Cairo by actually giving Joel the last name of the capital of Egypt so that... um, we have no doubt as regards the origins of Peter Laurie playing Joel Cairo. And Joel Cairo is also in alliance with another wealthy adventurer called Caspar Gutmann, ably played by Sidney Greenstreet, uh, the very obese character actor of the 1930s and 1940s. And both Joel Cairo and Caspar Gutmann are on the hunt for this priceless work of art. And as a footnote, Caspar Gutmann is always accompanied by a vicious thug and sidekick by the name of Wilmer, who in fact was the gunman who gunned down Floyd Thursby. O'Shaughnessy at this point is now very clearly in the crosshairs of Messrs. Joel Cairo, Caspar Gutmann, and Wilmer for having double-crossed them in Constantinople. And effectively what had happened was she and Floyd Thursby had been retained by Gutmann to find the statuette. The lore of the statuette was that, again, it was made of solid gold encrusted with jewels, crafted in the 16th century by the Knights of Malta as a gift of tribute to the King of Spain, but had been captured by pirates and had passed surreptitiously, mysteriously, from owner to owner in the last 400 years and had been coated in black enamel to conceal its true value. But Gutmann had made it his life work, and it was an obsession, to trace down what appeared to be a worthless work of art, but underneath the black enamel was solid gold and jewels. And he had made it his life work to find this work of art and had retained Bridget O'Shaughnessy and Floyd Thursby to get the statuette from a Russian general in Constantinople. He had paid them a hefty retainer, and both O'Shaughnessy and Thursby at that point, having discovered the identity of the Russian general who had put the statuette on a ship bound for Hong Kong, decided to flee Constantinople with their hefty advance, from Mr. Gutman to flee in pursuit of the statuette to Hong Kong, with a view to eventually getting their hands on the statuette, selling it, and becoming multimillionaires. So that was the uh, that was the grudge which Caspar Gutman and Joel Cairo felt against Miss O'Shaughnessy. Miss O'Shaughnessy, at this point, being the manipulative adventurer who lives by her wits, at this point, throws herself on the mercy of Sam Spade and they end up having an affair. We next see Miss O'Shaughnessy waking up in Sam Spade's bed the next morning, which in the context of 1941 was quite racy. And... um, we are led to understand that Sam has now developed a love interest with his uh, with his client, and he's somewhat conflicted while is somewhat conflicted in his feelings towards her. Sam leaves his apartment, leaving Miss O'Shaughnessy there. He returns to his office, and while he's at his office, a mysterious. Ship captain staggers into the office, carrying a package wrapped in newspaper and wrappings. He staggers into the office and drops the package on the desk of Sam Spade and tells him that this is the priceless work of art. Sam, at this point, realizes that the plot is getting thicker and thicker and takes the statuette, goes to a local bus depot, locks it in a locker there and gives the key to his girl Friday, Effie Perrine. Sam at that point calls the police and then confronts O'Shaughnessy, who then confesses to the fact that she had actually shot Miles Archer with the gun of Floyd Thursby. Sam tells her she has to give herself up, that she will face Jace time, that she will face jail time, and that he will wait for her. The likelihood of that happening, um, as we sit there in the audience, uh, is pretty, un, uh, pretty unlikely, But that is what he tells her, And even Bridget O'Shaughnessy is uh, somewhat skeptical that that's going to happen. But the cat is out of the bag. She's confessed to Sam. He's called the police. The police are on their way. And uh, the police then take her away. And the statuette is eventually given over to the police. The film has no heroes. There is no winning noble theme. Um, There's... Greed and murder and law evasion, all very dark themes for a dark time. They were at the end of the Depression. They were on the eve of World War II. And there was no idealism present in this film as a theme. And of course, the genre of the Pulp Fiction crime magazine was also a was not a medium where you expected to find any light themes, where you expected to find idealism or idealistic heroes. So the Maltese Falcon is a symbol of extreme wealth, and it is a book which has become a a symbol and the themes are greed, deception, corruption, and obsession. Dashiell Hammett was born in 1894 in Maryland. He died in 1961 in New York. He was a crime novelist of short stories and novels. And the Sam Spade detective was his primary star. He also wrote a series called The Thin Man, starring, which was a film series, which starred William Powell. And that depicted Nick and Nora Charles, who were well-to-do amateur detectives. Dashiell Hammett's literary agent and partner was Lillian Hellman, who died in 1975. From 1961 to 1975, she did little with her works to promote them, and it was only during the 1980s that one of Hammett's granddaughters was able to work with the estate and to repopularize Hammett's work as a bit of biography. He left school at 13. He worked for the Pinkerton Detective Agency from 1915 to 1922, where he saw firsthand hard-boiled criminal cases, worked on the hard-boiled criminal cases. He broke off from the firm in 1917 and volunteered to serve in World War I, where he contracted tuberculosis. He lived in San Francisco, and while he lived in San Francisco, He was married and had two children. The film was filmed on location in San Francisco and a street and an alleyway is named in his honor just above the Bush Street, Stockton Tunnel. And in fact, Hammett lived close there too. The film was filmed on location in San Francisco. The flood building where his office was located is at market and Powell and right around the corner from the flood building is John's Grill the famous restaurant where both Dashiell Hammett and Sam Spade would eat their pork chop and mashed potato lunch for 35 cents this is a great film to watch while you're on lockdown I'm sure you can get it on Netflix and it shows a side of San Francisco that no longer exists I think you'd enjoy watching it over this weekend while you're on lockdown. My sources for today's, for today's review are the film itself, San Francisco Historical Records, and Biography.com. This is Jim Hurlihy signing off for the San Francisco Experience from America's favorite city, San Francisco.